Hello, Hello Russell Howard. I've hacked into the system. Fancy you doing the first link on the show wow. and getting it right. From thousands yeah, yeah. of miles away, you get the link right, and yet when we have you in the studio, wrong. <laughs> what are the odds? I just got told uh, what the song was because I couldn't hear it by uh, our producer, Adam, who I understand is his birthday. And the terrible thing about my brain, I could hear it going, bandages, hot, hot heat, don't muck it up, bandages, hot, hot heat. And then suddenly it came out as hot, hot heat, so I struggled a bit. You did very well, but then you tried to supplant that with extra information, which proved to be wrong. It's not Adam's birthday. It was, uh, it was Mark Olver who's in the studio. It was his birthday oh, this week. Oh, yeah. Beautiful link. We've opened it up to everyone. It was, birthday, the, it was the man you've known for years whose birthday you forgot, not the man you've known for weeks. All <laughs> oh, right, lovely. Hey, yeah. Mark. But we say hello to some listeners? Yeah, hello, listeners. How are you? You're very well. It's a very surreal experience. I was sat in my hotel room in my pants addressing uh, our, uh, our audience. Yeah. Or your audience, I should say. Yeah, my audience. <laughs> our audience, mate. Our, our audience. audience. Yeah. So how's things? How are you? Yeah, really good, actually. It's brilliant out here. It's properly lovely. Very yeah, hot. it's not as good as it is here. No, that's You probably read in the Aussie Herald it was 200 degrees here yesterday. Really? I've seen people wearing flip-flops in Cardiff this week. That's what? how hot it's been. Nice. You're travelling as well, then? Oh, I'm getting about, mate. Getting about. What have you seen this week? Uh, people in flip-flops in Cardiff and the inside of my house in Swindon. And yesterday I went to a play by Harold Pinter on account of my class and that. Oh, you didn't understand that. it, did you? I did understand it because it was just Cockney's whining. I didn't understand it on an artistic level, but I understood the language. So you've okay. done you've enough of this, you know, English banter. You've yeah. done exciting things, haven't you? Well, nearly. Um, I, I set out to try and find some penguins in a place called St Kilda. With friends or just on your own? Just on my own. Job. I'm going to find penguins. Leave me yeah, now. Oh, mate, listen to this, right? There's a late-night gig um, over here in Melbourne called the Hi-Fi Club, and I was comparing it yesterday, and I sort of said, you know, what's fun to do here? And I got them to pass around a piece of paper and write down suggestions. And they properly got me, because one of them said, go and visit the Evil Monkey Museum. <laughs> so, as you can imagine, I've properly lost it. I got very excited. I'm asking for directions. After about a minute, it, it sort of dawned on me that there wasn't an Evil Monkey Museum. And the, the laugh that I got, as they were just laughing in my stupid face. Is there an ordinary naked. monkey museum? There's no monkey museum. Oh. I, vowed, I vowed to the people of Melbourne to uh, steal and train a monkey that's so evil, so racist, so naughty, that they'll have to make a museum to house it. Right. As yet, John, I'm failing on that in that I haven't got a monkey. Right, but apart from One that, day. have you got yeah, your How to Train a Monkey to Be Evil book? No, I was just going to throw stuff at it until it got really cross. All right, then, fair enough. And then, and then just set it upon someone. But I didn't find any penguins in St Kilda. What I did find was a massive array of prostitutes. Um... Right. Can't really take Morgan Freeman commentating on them? Nothing. He wasn't even, <laughs> wasn't even close. But yeah, so I think I went to the wrong place, I'm pretty sure. Um, but you had a great time. I had a smashing time, no. It was, it's been lovely. What the funniest thing, right, we did a, a, a gala out here. It's the first gig I did in Australia. It's in front of 2,000 people, and I was genuinely cacking. It was terrifying. Um, but it was a lovely gig. It went really well. And then at the end, because it's sponsored by Oxfam, they kind of get everyone back out uh, to do like a sing-along. Um, you know, sort of in the background, there are streamers going off and stuff like that. They're playing cool. into your hands. Yeah. Well, Do they not no, know you're a six-music DJ? Well, this is the beautiful thing. Um, we'd set ourselves to mischief, because I was out there with uh, We Are Clang, right? And uh, they did the sketch where Steve Hall comes on where he's tucked his willy between his legs, and he comes on as Debbie McGee as a lady, right? Um, but he did that for their main sketch. Hack. And It is a bit hack. It's been done to death. And I convinced Steve to come back out for the sort of the Oxfam We Are The World moment. <laughs> Uh, naked again, um, mm. but with his willy tucked between his legs, and then proceeded to tickle him until uh, his willy fell out on uh, national TV. And eight million people have seen that. 
And right. We found it very funny, but we got told off by the people at Oxfam. It's quite oh, funny. God. When will they get a sense of humour? Trying to save the world, fair enough. But you do want to see some flaccid willies every now and again, Absolutely. don't you? Absolutely. I'm just trying to give what the people want. Chill out, the people funny. of Oxfam. <laughs> and I'll cross with a Red Cross. Lovely. Lovely link. One so you're, you're doing a good... Yeah, thanks very much. It's going all right, this radio show, you know. Yeah, but yeah, this yeah, is week two out of nine. So, yeah. uh, you know, let's, I had let's a load not of e- get arrogant. I had a load of emails, actually, from uh, people who said, uh, don't ever come back. Really? Oh, really? I think no. that was uh, my family. Much. I apologise for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you're <laughs> off to do a gig tonight. Uh, I am, yes. And then you're going to talk to us again after the gig, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. Assuming it goes well. Well, yeah, no, exactly. Otherwise, you just hear me just screaming. How are you this week, Mark? I'm not too bad. Do my... Was my cough audible to the nation? I flicked your mic up, I'll be honest, with two seconds to go, getting a little bit confident, thought, well, you know, he's not going to say a swear or anything, but little did I know you had phlegm. Oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm joined in the studio by Mr Mark Oliver. I'm also joined, as last week, by the Rustbot 3000. Now that the real Russell Howard has left us, we have the Rustbot 3000 with us for the, for the whole show, and we'll be chatting to him. We've had new software loaded on the Rustbot 3000 got, this week. I've missed the Rustbot 3000. Yeah, well, I've been taking it to gigs with me. Oh, stuff, you, to be see, honest, that's why because I've just I've been at home lonely. Well, you can have it this week. Is that you've right, got to look I? after it though. You've got to feed it mud every day and uh, grease the joints. But we had new software fitted, so it does impressions this week. So I'm very excited. So if you press the impression button, hello, I'm Tony Blair. Unstoppable. The Rustbot 3000. What can't it do? How many has he got? Uh, two. <laughs> <laughs> but unless unless we uh, record more. But thanks for ruining the magic. Mark Oliver. So, um, what have you been up to this week, Mark? I have, apart from missing the Rossbot 3000, um, working, uh, going to get Working? Gigs, working. Are you trying to sound deliberately Bristolian <laughs> off the top be. of the show? Uh, it was my birthday on Tuesday. Was your birthday know, thanks on Tuesday? For, uh, thanks for remembering. Well, if what happened is you called me AM. <laughs> so I knew it was your birthday. I had Did it you? written in my diary. Did you know? Yeah, I had it written in my diary. And you called me at AM and pretended I'd forgotten. And I was distracted because I was watching the Poseidon adventure. Oh, yeah, And you I were. was crying. <laughs> Getting upset. Yeah, the old woman, she didn't make it. But she helped them get through. The Poseidon adventure. It's horrible. Steve Gutenberg's in it. Now, you think he's safe with Steve Gutenberg because he's marked his card with the Police Academy films. And he Cocoon. is a comic actor. And there is no messing about with Steve Gutenberg. But and then Cocoon's he... not. Cocoon's not sort of laugh right, is I really it? remember him in Cocoon, to Do be honest. Know. I watched it when I was very young. Good film, Cocoon. Yeah, I remember it being good. But and you what's the one when... where they're in, like, little dishwasher, little... the flying alien things. Battery's not included. Oh, yeah. It's a cracking film about old people, too. But, yeah, he plays this sort of flawed character. I was in tears. And it was only, like, half ten in the morning. It's too early. I mean, any time of the day is too early to be crying over Steve Gutenberg. But then you rang me and had a go at me for not remembering your birthday. And I hadn't forgotten it. I just hadn't remembered it yet. But we... <laughs> But we had a conversation that lasted for a couple of minutes, and you said, so what are you doing today? And I went, oh, just general things for my birthday. Yeah, you said it really narkily as well. <laughs> oh, I'm just, you know, doing stuff for my birthday. You know, I Do don't, I I don't need that like first that? thing. Yeah. Do I? Yeah. God, I've I had emails that. in saying that that's what you sound like. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah. So it was my birthday on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday... I got we... your present and stuff, though, didn't I? Two years ago, I got your amazing present. Two years ago, you got me an absolutely incredible... Yeah, his, his, years ago, his Dark Materials we went to see at the National Theatre on me. And I bought the tickets on eBay, and how did you help out? By bumping up the price just before I went to pay for them. <laughs> I thought I'd be helping, so I put the price up so no one else would want to buy them. Okay, great. So now I've got to outbid you so that it's in my name, and now it's just cost me an extra 50 quid. <laughs> it wasn't an extra 50 quid, was it? It was like an extra It was five, 200 right? quid, I think. I remortgaged my house. 
You shouldn't be telling me all this. It was a present. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you've been working. and Working, and then Wednesday I went to a gig. Right. Uh, went to see... Oh, the Bare Naked Ladies. The Bare Naked Ladies in Bristol. How was that? Was, uh, it was good. It was. I was a bit freaked out because standing right behind me, just on a little balcony, there was a mum, dad, and they're no more than five-year-old kid. Right. Going to see the Bare Naked Ladies. And I just thought, that's not fair. Not fair that his first gig is something quite good, like the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, but he won't remember that, though, will he? Oh, I don't know. I think he will. He seemed like he had a really good time. He got a bit cranky later. Right. A bit tired. Uh, Like like you do. Yeah, (laughs) I get a bit grumpy towards it. They go on very late these days. Some of us have work in the morning. Well, I don't think you'd remember a gig. Text us in your first ever gigs, and if anyone remembers the gigs I went to, they're in a five. I'll be very surprised, but the text number is 64046, and you can email russell.6music at bbc.co.uk. Text us in your first gigs on this bank holiday. What was your first gig? You must have gone to your first gig when you were really young. Very, very old. I didn't really... There's nothing live in Lancaster. Well, there wasn't, to my knowledge. So it wasn't until I uh, moved to Bristol and met you lot. I went to see Coldplay. That was my first ever gig. I went to see... The Priest's Holy Road Show with my mum and dad when I was about eight. Rock and roll. Which was a group of Catholic priests who sang songs and told jokes. I imagine they got pretty mental. And then I went to see uh, one of the Spinners, the folk group's farewell tours, when I was about ten. Those are my first gigs. Right. So, yeah, and, you were a you've right got... loser when you were a kid, weren't you? Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going to... You're bullying me again, by the way. I listened to... Again. Oh, that's the other thing you've told me on the... We'll, we'll discuss this. We're going to play a track in a minute, but I want to wrap up. Text us in your first ever gig, 64046, uh, music at bbc.co.uk. But uh, with last week, we were talking about people falling over. I'm not going to lie to you. Crying at Steve Gutenberg, I needed help. I listened again to the show, and I was still laughing. And this one came in too late to use, but I had to read it this week. So funny. It's from Simon. It says, not a fall, but last summer I was in my car park. I was in a car park in my car. (laughs) It has a convertible metal roof operated by a button. I was holding the button down to put the roof up when I was asked for directions by someone from behind me. I continued holding the button down as I leaned out of the window to help the man. The roof went up, as did the windows, completely trapping my head in the mechanism. (laughs) Not knowing what was going on, I continued to hold the button down and the bruise on my cheek lasted for a fortnight. And then he says, what was really weird was that the guy behind me carried on talking to me as if nothing was happening, which I suppose is what you would do. So we're getting people texting in their first ever gigs. Now, my issue with this, we were discussing this off-air with Adam, our producer, whose first gig was Depeche Mode. Pretty cool. But we were saying that if you get taken to a gig too young, that's not really your choice, is it? That's your parents. Like, you get that from watching uh, Junior Mastermind. It's frightening, because they have have to pick a specialist subject, and you know that's what their parents have picked for them. There's a nine-year-old girl on the other week whose specialist subject was um, Emmeline Pankhurst. No nine-year-old girls into Emmeline Pankhurst. So, first gig. My first gig uh, was the Pixies at Crystal Palace Bowl. They were awesome, as were Ride, who were one of the support acts. A fine introduced to music, is it not? Uh, yeah, probably right. My uncle took me to see ACDC at St George's Hall in Bradford in 1979 when I was five. So, I've seen Bon Scott live, but I have no memory of it. Damien and Leeds, exactly the point. I've got one from uh, Thea. Uh, when I was about eight, my mother made me go and see Chaz and Dave with her. It- <laughs> It was horrible. Everyone else was 80. I'm still scared of large groups of old people. I think a lot of people are, to be honest. Um, I, oh, Chaz and, you see, that's the kind of gig you should take a child to, though, isn't it, Chaz and Dave? At least then, you know, they're not missing out on anything. They're not seeing... No offence to Chaz and Dave if they're listening and all that, but they're not missing out on legends, and nor are they missing any, you know, deep meaning to the songs. You know that song's actually about heroin addiction. It's not, it's about eating whelks. But Mike from Bexley Heap, his mum and dad took him uh, to Genesis at Wembley with support by the brand new heavies when he was ten. Ah, uh, you see Genesis. What do you think of Genesis? Am I, I allowed know. to say I quite like Genesis? 
Sue, 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 Dio, and all Martha's that. dad is a big Genesis fan. Right. And he's a vicar. Yeah. All and right, then. Well, <laughs> probably should be ashamed <laughs> to say, Peter haven't Gabriel's I? Who's that? With Peter Gabriel Fine. With Peter Gabriel oh, Fine? Yeah. All right, yeah, then. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't like the... Old other... school Genesis. Yeah, the stuff without Gabriel. God, it's hardly worth it, is it? Why would you even bother? God, yeah. God, music. Um, my little girl's first gig was Morrissey. That's quite nice. And then she says she was still in my belly. But they do hear stuff. Mine, on the other game. I've never heard that before, on the other game. No. I assume that's a derivation of, on the other hand... Your t- I bet your Maybe she texted weird. it in, because that's predictive text, isn't it? Hand oh, hand and game. Oh, you see? This gets us into grammar, because that is poor. Check your- If you're texting in a national radio show, you don't even check no, game and don't hand. Be- what's her name? What's her name? Oh, honestly, it doesn't say. And she's ended the text with say no more. Well, I will. I'm not going to read the rest of your text <laughs> message. If you can't be bothered checking it. She probably meant pay no more and didn't even bother to check. Well, we're getting lots of first gig texts in. We've also got um, someone apologising. Good. Uh, Louise from South Shields, who wrote in earlier and said that her baby's first gig was Morrissey when it was in her belly. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was the one who uh, said... On the other game. On the other game. Sorry, I did I did mean on the other hand, was holding my small screaming chilli in the other hand. <laughs> She's holding the nation of chilli in her hand. She may possibly... I think she meant child. I think she meant child. I'm not sure she's fit to be a mother. No, I'm not as well. I think she did mean on the first one. I think she meant on the other game as well. She was talking about career choices she's made in the first... Can you apologise to (laughs) her? I will apologise. And we changed the chilly thing. She texted in child. And Louise, we appreciate your apology. And on air, it's fine to make mistakes with text messages. Unless they're important text messages. Such as ones you might send to a national radio station. (laughs) Anyway, lots of uh, first gig texting. Someone, uh, Rich the Chef... Um, texting to say the first gig was the Damned, an anti-Nowhere League. Do you know him? I don't know him. I did used to know all the chefs, but I've lost touch since I stopped (laughs) chefing. I don't know if he meant it was the Damned with anti-Nowhere League or he went to see the Damned with his anti-Nowhere League, but that would be an odd name for an anti. So I assume he means there were two bands. This is a cracker, this. Um, Jill in Bradford. Hello, my first gig was Box Fizz. Already there, we're worried on her behalf, but she justifies it herself by saying it was a present from my mum. I wept in my bedroom because I knew I would have to go so as not to hurt her feelings. Needless to say, it was expletive deleted. <laughs> I've got one from, from Steve. Uh, Steve's a man after my own heart because my first ever gig on my own volition was Hootie and the Blowfish. Good word, volition, well Thank done. Uh, was Hootie and the Blowfish and Steve's uh, was Hootie and the Blowfish at the Kentish Town Forum. I remember I had a meat pasty as well. Food, food shapes your life. You see, I remember food I've had places far more readily than I invent. You know, that was obviously a very good meat pasty or a very bad one. Do you like a pasty? Well, you you look like a man who likes a pasty. <laughs> oh, what, what you I've mean? Is, man. I look like a pasty. You see, this is what I mean about last week. Listen again to last week's show. I can't, there mate. Is, I tried. I lasted about half an hour. I can't listen to my Every five minutes, voice. there is an insult about me looking or eating some sort of food stuff. But anyone who's seen Mark Oliver do stand-up will know that's pretty much your act. If anything, I'm writing your Edinburgh show for you. All Jeez. these insults will be rehashed in your Edinburgh show. And then how there's you... a corned beef hash one there. You can do that as well. <laughs> how are you spelling pasty? Um, P-A-S-T-Y. Oh, Good. Good. <laughs> this has got ten. Uh, my first gig was the Foo Fighters at Wembley in 2001, and that's from age 16. Uh, I'm guessing from that, using my skills of maths, that you are now 21, uh, unless the gig was after today's date, in which case you're 20. Hello. Hello. Uh, I got taken to see Shawaddy Waddy for my eighth birthday. My second, inverted commas, gig was Kids From Fame Live when oh, I was 10. Oh, wow. And she goes on to say, I'm not sure my taste in music has improved, Emery in Birmingham. Sounds like my soul woman. Um, 
see, when you get taken to gigs, my mum took me as a birthday present once. She took me to see the Star Wars film, you know, and they go and get all the, the whales. And I fell asleep, and she was really upset. You mean Star Trek? Star Trek, yeah, sorry. Star Wars was quite good, wasn't it? Star Trek. The whales, that was, so um, that was Star Trek 4, I think. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're really battling back against this geek <laughs> image I've created for you. Uh, my first gig was Martha Reeves and the Vandellas at Sunderland Empire, 1987. Oh, wow. wow. That one went down in the hours of rock I also went history. to see um, the Four Top, supported by Edwin Starr when I was about 16. So actually, it was before Hooting the Blowfish. So me and Steve and the meat pasty, we got nothing in common anymore. It was the Four Tops and uh, Edwin Starr. Great gig. Right. He had a lovely red sequin suit on. Oh, I'd love a red sequin suit. What's the What's the most flamboyant outfit you've ever went? Well, Russell Howard isn't on it. I can tell you that he went to his uh, 18th birthday party in a velvet purple suit. Russell Howard there. I've never worn anything particularly. I used to have, like, when I was a kid, I used to have a 54321 jumper that I wore everywhere. I've got a slightly interesting taste in shoes. Oh, yeah, we were in Barcelona once and you tried to buy a woman's pair of shoes, didn't you? And the man in the shop wouldn't let you do it. Even he had more respect for you than you did. He actually laughed in my face. I have to tell you, man, this is a woman's shoe. (laughs) I just like the colours on them. This is a woman's shoe. Can I at least... Try- and you forced him to let you... No, you had to try them on. He really didn't want me to. Yeah, and surprise, surprise, what did you say? They're a bit too narrow at the bottom end. I tell and you, the worst this thing is a woman's shoe. Was that Josie Long was with us as well? Yes. And she's not the most sartoriously graced woman in the world, is she? And even she was laughing at me. Yeah. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. yeah, you own a lot of ridiculous shoes. You have a horrible pair of shoes that look like those sort of... Well, uh, they're uh, horrible. Like, the wicker like ones. Wicker oh, shins. I love those shoes. They look you know, you've got some sort of fungal infection and your feet have turned into porridge. I like my green felt ones. You look like the top of a snooker table. Yeah. What shoes are you wearing today? Flip I'm them wearing uh, green. Uh, oh, just an ordinary pair of pumps. Yes. What do, they, what's your, what do you call pumps? Um, daps. Adam from the north, what do you call pumps? Trainers. Trainers. <laughs> Adam? Trainers. Trainers, wow. Oh, dear. Daps, I hate the word daps. Daps. Such a horrible word. Uh, My mum took me to see Arrested Development when I was seven. Afterwards, I decided I wanted to be black. The trouble was I was a chubby ginger child. Life's just not fair, is it? My first gig was a couple of months after my 15th birthday when I went to see my friend's band play. Does that count? Going to see your friends? I mean, we've all messed about with instruments. I don't think that really counts. Charlatans, Brighton, 1995. Awesome. That's all that text says. Uh, Mike in Birmingham. Can I count Cannon and Ball as a gig? Um, I'm not, no, we can't have that one. I don't think we can count Cannon and Ball it, as members of society. Yeah, well said, John, because there was a programme on Channel 4. Have you heard about this? No. A couple of months ago, there was a programme on Channel 4 and Cannon and Ball were berating the state of the British comedy industry and walked past the theatre and went... You see, the thing is, no-one knows who comics are anymore. No-one knows who they are. Look, who's that? No-one knows who that is. Who's that? No-one knows who that is. And look at him. Who is he? No one knows who he is, as they pointed to a picture of me. Yeah, to be fair, though, they had a point. No one knows who I am. We're getting first uh, first gig texts. We're carrying on with these. Uh, hi, John and Mark. My first gig was Idlewild at the Anson Rooms in Bristol. Uh, having never been to a gig, I decided to watch it from the front and had to wring my T-shirt out at the end of the gig, which was very unpleasant. I assume he means sweat. I've got someone uh, called DT from uh, your crib. From Swindon. Oh, Swin Swin. From Swindon. Swin Wise. Uh, his first gig, 1972, Hawkwind 
and the Pink Fairies in Swindon. Heard of Hawkwind, have no idea who the Pink Fairies are, but they're anything like Hawkwind, they're a bit rock, which yeah. is an amazing name for a big rock band. Are they, are they, are they very rock? Yeah. Adam's going, they're very rock. And, and if they're, they're anything the... like fairy cakes, then you definitely like them. Oh, I love a fairy cake. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> <as> you do. <laughs> <laughs> Atomic Kitten came to my school when I was 11. Just about better than double maths. I assume that's sarcasm. Oh, I was at Cardiff Glee Club this Friday. One of the happiest gigs of my life. You know when you realise an audience is just as geeky as you are? I had an audience of 200 people trying to recite pi to as many decimal places <laughs> as possible. <laughs> Very rarely do you get in touch with an audience to that level. And I had to say to him, I said, listen, you're going to go away from this gig and you're going to pretend it was me that started that. But they started it. Unbelievable. Are you we working didn't... on stuff for your Edinburgh show? <laughs> yeah. Because you're doing loads of stuff about food. I wonder whether that was part of it. Yeah. My Edinburgh show is going to be called No Life and Pie. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> I liked... It's just going to be called Pie. I liked maths, but I had, some... I had a really a maths teacher who really ruined <laughs> Mr Furlong Brown, if you're listening. He really shouted. He's the only teacher that's ever made me actually wee myself. He <laughs> <laughs> were all out playing with snowballs in the snow. And I, I had How old one. Were you? How old were you? Uh, like 12, 11. Okay. I had one, right? But I swear to God, it was a deterrent. I had no interest in throwing a snowball at anyone. But, you know, where I grew up, it was pretty rough. And if you didn't... Uh, Lancaster Royal Grammar School could really kick off. And if you didn't have a snowball in your hand, you would get snowballed. So I had it as a deterrent. Little did I know, Matt Daunt got one thrown at him. I had a stone that went in his eye. So we had to stop throwing snowballs. But I didn't know. And he saw me holding it and assumed I was one of the instigators. Shouted at me and said, you're in big trouble. And a bit of wee came out. Mr Furlong Brown ruined maths for me. And if it was cold, that would have frozen straight away, wouldn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's going to be awkward. But it's actually quite pleasant, the warmth, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I told it's going to help. To be honest, it was, it was deliberate. Um, I've got another um, first gig. Uh, Grumpy Steve in Bury St Edmunds. First gig was the Stiff Little Fingers at Ipswich Gourmont in 1981. Bit of class. That sounds nice. Yeah, that does. Doesn't and it? you say class very well, by the way. Class. My first gig was Mod, then Susie Quattro. Uh, Clive, this is in Swansea. He said, loved my glam rock. Cost me 50p to see Mod. Blimey. That's cheap, isn't it? See, they're all quite cool, aren't they? They're all. I think people. Because yeah. I think that's what I do. Like, if I had a kid, I'd, I'd take him to something really cool, say, later on, he's got, oh, yeah, I went to see Radiohead, or I went to see this. Because we got got um, Joe in Brentford, went to see the Rolling Stones in Hyde Park on his dad's shoulders. He doesn't know um, how old he was, but he was born in 1974. Now, that is really cool. Some of these are lying, sure. But music was cooler then, wasn't, wasn't it? Is, is, is that fair to say? I certainly think there's more comedy now than there used to be. Is there more music now than there used to be? I don't know, but there must have been really dodgy I'm bands. I'm getting funny locks. There guessing... must have been really dodgy bands to go and see in the 70s and 80s. And even now, you know, you've got all these people saying that their their first gig was Radiohead or the Franklin yeah. Walters or all these amazing acts. But, you know, no one's first gig was uh, Brother Beyond. But to be fair, I bet the people who went to rubbish first gigs probably just aren't texting in. There are people who They probably don't listen to Six Music. They probably don't. They probably listen to other radio stations. <laughs> Rubbish ones. Are there other radio stations? Not in my world. No. Um, so we're gonna, we'll move on now. We'll wrap up first gigs and decide that you're all cooler than we are. Uh, so well done. And we'll move on to Am I Normal, which is a feature where you text in the fact that you're weirdos. And usually when it's me and Russell, he goes, God, you're weirdos. And I go, I don't think they are. This Nowadays, you just get told you're perfectly normal. So text in anything. If you've killed someone, text it in. I'll tell you it was all right. Uh, the text number is 64046. The email is Russell. Don't text in if you've killed someone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we live in a world where I have to clear that up. But the locks I'm getting in the studio seem to indicate that that's not 
not a cool thing to say. Don't text in if you've killed someone. Contact the police. There is help for you out there. Uh, email in russell.6music at bbc.co.uk. What's your Am I Normal this week, Mark? Well, you know I suffer from them because I genuinely think that everything I do is perfectly fine and no one's going to yeah. think it's weird. Which in its sense is an Am I Normal, thinking I have that there's had, nothing weird about you. I have had problems this week sleeping uh, because in my head I'm writing a sitcom based on the lives of sausages. <laughs> right. How's that going? <laughs> it's all right. Have I've you got... hit the walls yet? <laughs> oh, yeah, nice. I'll come up with quicker puns than you anyone see, else. I should just phone you up and get you to help me with this. You see, everyone two, should phone me up and get you to help. The two central characters are called Pork and Leek. Of course they are. Um, I don't really like a Pork and Leek sausage. Do you not? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't Is like this a just a plug? Is this an honor? When I asked you how my normal, did you think no, this was a chance I've to plug your... I've been lying in bed thinking of different types of sausage and what they could be as characters in a sitcom. Right. So that's my way. And my other am I normal is I never want to be a singer. You know, everyone has kind of... I think you're all right there. <laughs> I don't everyone... think that's a threat. But lots of people have kind of rock star aspirations. Like, you look at these two. I mean, they both, the Adams, they, they both look like they want to be rock stars. Both of them look really cool. Me, I'd like to be a backing singer. Right. I'd Again, like be, I think you're going to struggle. I'd like to be one of the pips. Right. Yeah, you're pretty much an entire Granny Smith's apple, I'm afraid. <laughs> and I think that's what's going to hold you back. Text us in your my normals. We'll do See, that more. was another one. Yeah, I know. I just dropped them in. Every don't pretend minutes. you won't be using this in your Edinburgh show. It won't be called Granny Smith and a picture of you and an apple doing a dirty face as if you've done something to that apple. So we're doing our my normal crack. We had a couple in about sort of smelling stuff. We touched on this last week. There was a lot about smelling. Um, am I normal? Back in the days of tapes, my natural instinct natural instinct worries me initially, as soon as you're clearing that up, was to sniff blank ones to see what was on them. That is very weird. But then this is a weirder one about smelling, right? This is from Victoria in Bristol. Technically, this one isn't for me. I went out on a date with a guy. The evening seemed to be a success. He was funny, intelligent and extremely hot. At the end of the night, just as we were saying goodbye, we had a snog, etc. I don't really know what the etc means there. I'm not really averse in dating, but I'm, I'm guessing the etc is something dirtier than snogging. Um, he took a massive sniff, which in itself is fine but then proceeded to tell me how he liked to smell new people that he meets. Needless to say, I never saw him again. See, that's really unfortunate. So sometimes people smell nice, especially girls. Sometimes they smell like the summer, you especially it, this time you? of year. I sniff. You do it. Yeah, you walk it... past people and you will sniff them as they walk past. Some people just smell really nice. It's quite relaxing when people smell nice. It makes you believe their entire life is fine. People it's smell horrible. It's not relaxing for them to be sniffed. I don't follow them. I don't do a loud one. I just sort of, as they walk past, just... <laughs> Sometimes that noise comes out, which is always unintentional. Have you got any uh, Am I Normals there before um, we make me look like more of a weirdo? <laughs> I've got one from Rosie, whose mate can recite pi to 125 places from memory. Well, that is good. 125. <laughs> I just said this at the gig, though. To be honest, you get to a point after four where no one really knows what it is. And if you just reel off numbers with confidence, no one's really going to question you. Um, I've got one from uh, an Am I Normal from Will from Brighton. I, coll I collect customers' handwritten shopping lists, usually left in trolleys. I'm compiling a book. Am I normal? Not possibly normal. It's quite, you know, there's manipulative. A, there's a really I think. great. He doesn't he may not want to compile a book because there's a really great magazine that comes out called Found. Oh, you showed me a copy of yours. Well, there's there's a version called Dirty Found. Yeah, that's what you've got. <laughs> of course, of course, you wouldn't have the clean version. Do you want to tell people what Found is and then tell them what Dirty Found is and uh, then tell them why you bought Dirty Found ahead of Found? <laughs> found is a magazine that people go around and if they find 
pictures or shopping lists or letters or, or anything kind of, you know, just laying around. The detritus the, of everyday life. The detritus of everyday life. <laughs> Um, and, yeah, some American publishers put them in a magazine, and they've also done a slightly more adult version called Dirty Found. Yes. Which has got different types of letters. Pictures. Yes. Mostly pictures, isn't it, Mark? <laughs> Eccentric. It's, it's the, oh, it's the cast-aside pornography of complete strangers. <laughs> you're, you're horrible. And it, well, the thing is, you show me these, because we used to live together, Mark and I, and you show me these things, and you know me not well enough to know never am I going to go, that's really cool. John Robbins, on the other hand. Well, John Robbins, who joins me next week, uh, he's, he's one of our other flatmates. He likes a giggle, and he, he also likes people's bits um <laughs> hi john i'd like to know what you think of the following uh, this is from laura my friend's currently traveling around the world and i recently received an email from her updating me on all the exciting things she'd been doing this made me feel special and loved however i later found out that she'd essentially sent the same email to everyone that knew her simply changing the name at the top and adding a short personalized paragraph am i normal to feel offended by this or is it cheating and dishonest of my friend um, I think it's fine, to be honest. If you're travelling around the world, she's in a net cafe. She's got m- far more exciting things to do. She can't be writing a proper email to everyone. You're you, really shaking your head Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking my head because I agree with you, but yeah. I don't believe that you think that. No, I don't think... If you're travelling oh, around unbelievable. the world... My sister's just got no. back from travelling around the world. And it's her birthday today. Happy birthday, Tamsin. Uh, she's just got back. I, I wouldn't be offended to get a circular. Although my sister, because we're related, did a global, but then sent me a separate email just saying, yeah. all right, geese. And there's nothing... <laughs> she didn't say, all right, geese. <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing wrong with a global email like that. But if you found out that someone had pretended that it was personalised and wasn't. You would hate that person. You're making it sound like you've not got hatred for a lot of people. and you. I haven't got hatred for people I like. If I get a random email from a stranger boasting about things they're doing around the world and it's a global and they've just added it to wind me up, I probably would be like, I've got friends going around the world. All my friends have gone around the world. They're really angry about it. They've all just done cool stuff. And I've moved to Swindon, which is great, but it just doesn't sound the same. You're on Six Music. Yeah, listen to me. But you can't email your mates and go... <laughs> they are. People are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I meant that to sound like one of those sort of camp hark at her things. I don't know why I thought that would be funny. Thanks for drawing attention to it, though. But global emails are for people who are doing a lot, and therefore you're essentially short on time. That'd be very... Imagine if your friend got back from going around the world, and because they knew you were a weirdo, you go, oh, did you see uh, Machu Picchu? No, no, I didn't have time, because I had to send a separate email to you, and I missed the coach to Machu Picchu, because I was telling you about the Bacardi I'd had the night before, because I know you get weird if I send a group email. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I suppose you need to start sending group emails because of all the time that you spend watching... Steve <laughs> some and cracking Teddy. films on Sky. Sky have just sort of changed the way they do their movie channels, and they've got specific channels for specific types of movie now. I just record all the comedies. Teen Wolf, Dogs That Can Play Football. It's great stuff. But then occasionally they catch you with a sideball, and you think, Steve Gutenberg, this will be funny. Bang, you're crying. It's like when Sarah Green did that Halloween thing. That's lovely Sarah Green off of the telly, and then there's ghosts in my house. Cacking myself. Uh, this is a weird one. Josie from Liverpool. Uh, in the mornings, when I see my flatmate in the kitchen, thank God you didn't have this when we used to live together, cooking in his dressing gown, I feel compelled to either lift up his gown... <laughs> right, that's weird anyway. This <laughs> is failing that. I feel compelled to lift up my own gown and wail at him. I'm not gay and my intentions aren't pork-based. I just find this more amusing than is possibly normal. Yeah, you definitely... That's not normal. <laughs> but I, I live it on my own. 
That's really tickled you, <laughs> yeah, hasn't it? And you're wishing that had come in when we lived together. I really do. I, yeah. I laughed. I, I put myself on my kitchen floor this week with a joke that I made to myself. Because I, I make jokes to myself. Like I'd been upstairs in the office doing some writing for the show because I take the show seriously. A wasp came in and I had to run downstairs. I thought I might as well have a cup of tea. But when the wasp came in, I heard a and I went, oh, pardon me, to myself. And then I realised it was a wasp. I ran downstairs. It was about my fifth cup of tea that morning in my Winnie the Pooh mug. And I put the mug down. It was all stained from all the tea I'd had. And I went, oh, Pooh's taken a real pound in today. And I laughed for actually, it was about 20 minutes. And then, I had, then when I stopped laughing, I texted my friends to tell them about the joke I'd just done. And that in itself made me laugh even more. So we're, we're cracking on with our my normal, getting some good ones in. Uh, Mike in Bearwood. When I go to pay and display car parks, I always pay for extra hours. I enjoy the feel-good factor of passing my ticket on to other parkers on my exit, granting them free parkage. I really suffered from that this week. I went into Swindon Town Centre and our family walked past me. I'm not going to pretend I didn't judge them with my eyes. And then I got out of my car to buy my ticket and the guy ran over. Here go, mate. Three hours on that. Three hours. I only needed half hour. I took it off him, and then I thought, should I, should I have given him money? Should I have said, oh, we'll have a couple of quid towards it? Because I wouldn't have spent a couple of quid because I only wanted ninety p's worth. What do you do? It's a real minefield. I didn't pay him anything, but then I gave the ticket to another old man when I left. So the car park really got screwed this week. I like that <laughs> someone sat there doing their takings this week for the car park, going for some reason they're down this week. <laughs> <laughs> Teach you to charge me more. There's two car parks next to each other in Swindon Town Centre. Identical car parks. One's £1.10 an hour, one's 90p an hour. Like a sap, I was using the £1.10 one. I wondered why people were driving past laughing at me. They were going into the 90p one and there's balloons in there and cake. How's it going in Swindon? I'm loving it. <laughs> Pretty lonely. <laughs> um, Michael in Norwich, if I have my windscreen wipers on during a car journey, upon arrival at my destination, I have to make sure the wipers are back to their normal position for fear that something terrible might happen to my car. I can't leave my wipers halfway up when you cut your engine off. And the worst thing is, what I really, really hate is when you're driving along with someone and it's stopped raining and they leave their wipers on because they're unintermittent and they haven't noticed and it's stopped raining and it... Oh, really gets on my nerves. But you don't want in someone else's car to say, how do you word that? You can't just reach over and turn it off, but then you can't just go, do you want to just turn your wipers off before I smack you? No, you just go, oh, you know it stopped raining. Yeah, but that sounds really sarcastic, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it stopped raining, don't you? You know it stopped raining, you've left your windscreen. But that's not very good for your wipers either. No, well. So say that's them. Here's a little tip for you as well. When you take your wipers in and the garage tell you you need new wipers, you don't. Get a bit of vinegar on a bit of cloth, wipe it along your wiper. All you've got is grease on your wipers. Don't let them screw you for a new pair of windscreen wipers. John Richardson telling it like it is. Go on, Mark, have you got any of my normals? Uh, yeah, I've got one from Gary in Bury St Edmunds. Um, bit of a strange one. Right. Here goes. I have to count to a thousand in tens when I need to unload, but only once sitting on the toilet. A thousand in tens. That's pointless. Why don't it count to a hundred in ones? The same thing. You're just making it difficult for yourself. You're trying to make you feel like you're better at math. But you set up this normal thing, so you shouldn't argue. (laughs) I did. Oh, yeah, look at me now. Well, we've had a couple in. Uh, One's not really an normal. It says, hi, John. Mr. Banyard, my French teacher, made me wee a bit. I was making faces behind him in class. Needless to say, I hated French from then on. Um, But then this one's coming. Am I normal? At the weekend, I wear one shoe and one trainer, so I'm casual but smart. If I go to church or end up in court, at least I look half decent. That's from Greenock Rab. Now, general consensus in the studio is that that is a lie. What do you think? Yeah, that's I don't a believe lie. I don't anyone like would actually do that. 
I don't like them. It's maybe very, you know, we've set up this, and you can, I, I've said you can confess to murder on this, as long as you actually did it. Do you know what I mean? You, be honest, if you're not going to take it seriously, and there's only no point in doing this anymore, I don't know why we carry on with the show at all. Someone's got right into the Ross bot, Stevie from Glasgow. Interesting to hear you've got a version of Russell in robot format. It is interesting, isn't it? Myself and a few office colleagues... <laughs> that's a bad start to any email, isn't it? <laughs> Myself and a few office colleagues. We tried this with one of our workmates and uh, named it the Seanbot 3000, but he doesn't say what his workmate was called. Uh, this clearly wasn't enough, and we had it updated to version 2.1, which came with a cracking telephone manner, charming witticisms, and a cheeky little golf swing. Uh, which updates would you deem necessary for the Rustbot 3000? Well, the Rustbot, we're going to update it week on week, um, so I don't know. What we're, version is this at the moment, then? This is the basic Rustbot 3000, oh, okay. but we, we had a software added this week, but it wasn't really an update. But I, I'm just going to fiddle around with it during the week. I trusted you. Well, you know, you, you shouldn't have. Um, so, am I normal? We had a horrible one here. I did didn't like this is from Boz in London and no wonder he's given an assumed name uh, but one from home alone so it's fine by me I didn't like my flatmate's girlfriend and she kept staying over so I urinated on her pink toothbrush <laughs> am I normal you're not normal you're a horrible 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 man that is a disgusting thing to do to a fairly innocent person as well and I think that's horrible stop touching the guests you filthy beast sorry Russell um so have you got any am I normals I've got um Winnie the Pooh mug that's not normal I've got a whole set. I've got Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore and uh, Tigger and Piglet. And when guests come round, I offer them whichever mug they'd like and I make assumptions on their personality based on which character they choose. How often do you have guests? Uh, once. <laughs> once. Oh, <laughs> I had a dinner party, it was fine. I had a comedian round uh, a week last week. <laughs> Dan Atkinson came round. Oh, we had coffee, God. freshly made, filter coffee, Lovely. fair trade, saving the world. Got a text from uh, Martha. Lovely Martha. Right. Uh, Sometimes I think she's a dream. <laughs> She... And she's texted in. She always does that because when we work out what she's got to do, you can always count on Martha. Always count on Martha. We can depend upon you. I've got that on my iPod. <laughs> um, she gave up crisps uh, for Lent, and I gave up fried tricking. And she tricking, tr- tricking, tricking, licking. <laughs> you gave just... up doing card tricks with battered cards. <laughs> Pick a card, any cards. They're all covered in grease. <laughs> and she just had her first packet of crisps since February the twentieth. P.S. Mark Over is a dirty old man. So there you go. So if it's uh, it's Easter Sunday today, happy Easter Sunday. If you've been giving up stuff for Lent, is today the day you can go mental? I think so. I'm not going mental today. I'm going to go mental tomorrow. Fried chicken, that was a really brave decision for you, because you are a man who enjoys his fried chicken. Oh, God, I love, I've not had any since uh, since show Tuesday. So it's tomorrow that I think, isn't it? Tomorrow yeah. is the day you can go So about- what I'm going to do, I'm going to go and get myself a bath full of fried chicken. I'm going to fill the bath with it. I'm going to sit in it, and then I'm going to eat my way out. That's my plan tomorrow. How can you... Oh, that would be horrible. A bath of fried... Ch- oh, oh, God, that's that sounds, really made me feel sick. Oh, it sounds amazing. I've got an Am I Normal uh, that I think you will like. I just read it before I vomit. I get frustrated when something that's described as next door or bang opposite... Is bang pres- opposite. <laughs> that sounds like a personal slight, because that's the sort of thing I'd say. Bang opposite the post office is. Isn't precisely in that location. Right. If somewhere's a few doors away or across the street from a landmark, it should be described as just that. I see no need to generalise so heavily. Right, well, that sounds like quite an angry man. If he, if he doesn't get that angry about asking directions, maybe he should research where things are himself and not get angry at innocent members of the public. John, I reckon this is a normal bloke thing. Uh, and having read it, I can say my mate Lee used to do it, but I certainly don't. Uh, I always sniff my fingers after scratching. Am I normal from Gary... 
suitably enough, in Ickworth, which I think has probably been renamed since that filthy swine moved there. Do you t- smell your fingers after you scratch? I don't really scratch that much. I do look at a tissue if I've blown my nose. Well, that's the interesting one, looking at a tissue, because there's an actual reason to do that. Yeah. And it's horrible. And I, when I look at other people do it, I go, ugh. But then I notice I always do that. You like to see how green the mucus is. Well, it's not that. Ones. It's that I have a very sensitive upper nasal passage. And I very, very, very often get nosebleeds. And so I need to check when I blow my nose that I haven't just blown blood all over the inside of a tissue. It's handy even if you don't have an upper-sensitive nasal passage. Yes. <laughs> oh, put those words in an order. Yeah. Because um, if you've got a cold and you blow, if it's clear, it means you're getting a bit better. But if it's really dark, it means you're still a bit poorly. I thought it was the opposite way around. I thought when it was mucus, that was a sign that your body was fighting the illness. And that meant that you were getting better. Because it was producing a lot of mucus. Oh. What a disgusting conversation to be having on Easter <laughs> Look, Sunday. Can someone text in and tell us which one's right? Because I think when it's clear, it means you're all right, you've just got a bit of a snotty nose. But when it's really dark, it means that you've got a cold. Adam's nodding, you're going, yeah. What do you think it is? It minds that mine does sound more logical because you've got all that oral. But then John's could be right because that's all the nastiness coming out. So but when it, it means you're still ill. Yeah. You're still ill, but you're getting better. But when it's clear, you then got better. That's oh, a very is, good point, yeah. I'm not sure this isn't the most boring thing that's ever happened on live radio. There is a, well, no, there's a, um, there's a chart that you get in um, in hospitals, the stool chart. There's a chart there? you get in hospitals. That's a very special <laughs> Ulva chart. There's a grade of Ulva. What's the stool chart? I think it might even be called... Let's like not turn wrist. this onto stools. We were talking about snot. I said, this is a bit gross, and you think, I know what I do. I turn it into a conversation about stools. If text in, don't text about poo stools. Text in about actual stools. What's the most comfortable stool you've ever sat on? 64046. I did a gig in High... Oh, God, this, I'm really boring. I did a gig in High Wycombe this week and got chatting about the chair museum in High Wycombe and they've got a chair there that you, if, it, if it falls over, it doesn't matter which end you put it up because it's always the right way up, that chair. You can sit on it any which way oh, but loose. sounds really good. Yeah, cracking, isn't it? I've been talking about pie and chairs. Well, wrapping up, am I normal now? We've had a text in that simply says, Mark's right, exclamation mark which I assume relates to snot. Uh, so well done, Mark, you're right. And then we've had one that says, John, I feel incredibly comfortable if I drop a stool after counting to a thousand in tens. Who's laughing now from Gary in Barry St Edmunds? No one's laughing. They're all just staring at you, Gary, just staring at you, thinking, why do you say these things? Why do you say these things? Well, probably because I asked you to. Uh, we've got some cracking Am I Normals in, so we'll do more uh, next week as ever. So keep them coming in if you think of any. And we're getting also a lot of uh, first gig texts, so we'll go back to that in the last hour. That seems to have fired off. But in the next hour, I want to talk about... We went to do the news this week, Mark, and I talked about what's happened it's been an incredibly depressing week in the news nothing fun has happened anywhere so i thought it would be nice to do some nice news no no horrible stuff so all you do is text in 64046 email russell.6music at bbc.co.uk the nice things that have happened to you this week maybe you've got particularly good service somewhere maybe someone gave you their last week anything we're going to find the nicest deed done this week and arrange to do something nice for the perpetrator of that deed russell howard is in australia performing comedy for australians and here we are talking about stools someone has emailed in the full stool scale, uh, which I'm pleased to announce is called the Bristol stool scale. Uh, and there's pictures and everything, so thanks for that. Uh, this is usually about the time I crack out the cakes, but I think we'll wait a little bit today. Someone emailed in to say, I was just pushing out my morning stool when your talk about stools made me laugh and ruined the whole moment for me. Well, I'm very, very sorry. 
I would rather not have been talking about this. I'd rather not have ruined that moment for you. But since we have, I can apologise on behalf of Six Music and everyone at the BBC that your morning motion was ruined by a bar. apologising on behalf of Parky? Parkinson says sorry. Steve Wright says sorry. Ken Bruce says sorry about that. Uh, Jeremy Vine says, sorry. Uh, that's how he talks. Sarah Kennedy. Every day, Jeremy Vine takes over from Ken Bruce. Every day the same. Thanks, Ken. And I do it in my car if I'm driving along. Sarah um, Kennedy don't say sorry. She's not saying sorry. Sarah Kennedy's saying sorry, but she, she'll she'll email it in midweek. Um, now, what we're doing is, this is a new feature called One Good Deed, where we're trying to get you to dext in nice things that you've done. People don't really talk about nice things, because it seems like bragging if you've done something nice to someone. But I say, hang that, let's brag, let's talk about nice things. This is the story, I looked through the papers all week, and even the little stories that are usually funny were horrible this week. Uh, off with their heads, is a headline in, uh, in the Express. Intrigue and suspicion raged last night after a a spectacular daffodil display. I would question that any daffodil display can be spectacular because, to be honest, it's just loads of daffodils and the more spectacular just means more daffodils. But anyway, um, it was sabotaged, scuppering a village's bid for Britain in Bloom Award in a wanton act of vandalism, not one of these necessary acts of vandalism that we all have to carry out every now and again. It was a wanton act of vandalism. The heads of up to 5,000 daffodils were snipped off at Hart Hill with Woodall in South Yorkshire. And Peter Dungs was in the paper and he said, I believe this was a calculated act. Not one of those accidents where you accidentally snip the heads off 5,000 daffodils by jealous rivals, perhaps from another village. So he's, he's, he's accusing another village. And then he goes on to say, at first I thought it was vandals on their way home from the pub. And we've all done that, to be honest. You stumble out of the pub after a few magnas on a summer's day with your secateurs and you think, what am I going to do on the way home? I'll snip 5,000 daffodils. But uh, it's horrible because Britain in Bloom judges were supposed to be coming to this village to judge their display and someone snipped it off. So he accused Thorpe Salvin, uh, which is a nearby village. Well, Patricia Ibbett's not having that. She says Thorpe Salvin isn't even in the same category as Hart Hill. They're in the large village section and we're not even in that. Police are now hunting the perpetrators. And Mr Dungler said, I've left the flowers where they are so that the Britain in Bloom judges can see them. And I'm putting up a notice which says 5,000 daft flowers were cut off here. To be honest, I'd sweep them up. You're not going to win a display for dying flowers. But it was such a horrible, and they were all like that this week. Everything was horrible. So I want nice things. You've got nice stories. Do you, you want people to text in nice things they've done or nice things people have done for them? Ideally, nice things that other people have done for them. Because if something's really nice, we'll pick the nicest one, and behind the the perpetrator's back, we'll find out what they did, and then we'll organise something nice for them. So find out what they're into. Uh, this is Can we to send line. them a laminated copy of the Bristol Stool Chart? We could send them a laminated copy of the Bristol Stool Chart, but I can't help but feel that would be a malicious gesture on our part. Well done for doing something nice for someone you care for. Here's a picture of Pooh. And not Winnie the Pooh either, which would be a pleasant <laughs> gift, and something to have put on a mug for when guests come round. So what, go on, who's done nice stuff for you? People must have done nice stuff oh, for you. Oh, my mum. My mum is general. Well, she let you park your car in her, in her drive. But she did let me. Oh, honestly. Oh, that is just disgusting. Oh, I can't. She's lovely, your mum. Uh, she did let me park my damaged car. Uh, oh, let's. Yeah, I left it in the driveway for two weeks. Um, Damn right. Oh, shut up, Ross Park. Just leave it. Just leave it. Move on. My car was broken. I needed somewhere to leave it. I was going out of the country. She said, you can park it on our concrete driveway, which I did. It was a very nice gesture. What nice things she done for you? She bought me some you curtains. filthy from... swine. She's never mean... doing anything nice for you after this. I didn't even this. mean it rude. It was, it was the Adams laughing. It was their giggling. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm, maybe. <laughs> yeah, damn yeah. right, Ross well, Buck. He knew what he meant. Um, she bought me some curtains for my birthday, and they weren't long enough for the window, and so this week she uh, has put on an extra little bit at the bottom, sort of another six inches. Right. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. No! Um, why did she not just buy longer curtains? Because it was the maximum size. Has she got the proper, like, the the same material as your curtains are made from? No, it got different. But then uh, she said, no, she phoned me yesterday. You know what I'm she, like for balance. She, no, she phoned me yesterday and went, do you know what, Mark? Uh, I was looking in some magazines. She sounds and... a lot like you, your mother, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Mark? <laughs> I don't know why I was interested in her. Um... <laughs> This year. Oh, I can't believe we've. this was supposed to be a nice link from stools to beautiful gestures and it's turned into horrible mum-touching. Um, you're giggling, Mark. What are you laughing at? I'm just laughing at um, Adam has just shown me. And Shane McGowan looks so he counts to a thousand and then eats stools. <laughs> I don't think he nice. can count to a thousand anymore. I think he's had a little bit too much to drink for counting to a thousand. Now, we've, we're moving on from all this filth now. It's time to just count down. Three, two... One. Thanks very much, Russ, but let's all move on from this filth, because people are now texting in with nice emails and apologising for the fact that they aren't about stools or mucus, uh, which is horrible. Eva has emailed in says, Guys, I'm going to meet for the first time my future sister-in-law today. Do you have any advice? I had a nightmare that I ran out of things to say to her and asked if my brother was any good in bed. It was awful and I woke up in a cold sweat. I'm aware this has nothing to do with stool or mucus. So sorry. Don't be sorry. You don't need to apologise about I don't know, meeting your future sister-in-law. Girls are quite catty when they meet for the first time. There'll be a lot of one-upmanship going on, won't they? No, just be nice. It's a nice day, isn't it? Get drunk, I say. Get drunk. <laughs> if you want to ask about no, whether your brother's drunk. good in bed or not, just ask. No, no point having tension. You don't want to know. I think she obviously does. Or she wouldn't have texted it in. Just, just get it out of I say get it out of the way. Ask first. Just say, listen, out of ten, what, how's he doing? I need to know. Is she he still said, a six? I'd give him one. <laughs> I asked his last fiance. Uh, right, nice things. Let's let's get on with this. We're getting some good ones in. Uh, this one comes in to Russell. Uh, my name's John, but I didn't say that. Russell's in Australia doing gigs for nice people. It's John and Mark in the studio today. My neighbour's cat was stuck on a higher branch of her silver birch tree this week, which kind of implies that the cat gets trapped every week, but this week got a little bit too brave. I'd be inclined to leave the cat up there. I don't really like cats, and if it keeps climbing up the tree, it needs to learn a lesson about how far it can climb up trees. But nevertheless, Stuart in Southampton... I got a ladder out of the garage and got her cat down. She was so grateful that she made me lunch. It was very nice. I saw a story about um, this week. They tried. To, they flushed a murderer. This is another horrible story. Someone murdered someone. But they uh, they got they locked themselves in their hotel room. So to get them out, they winched a crane up and used a fireman's hose and blasted him out of the window and down onto a sheet. Which makes me think: if cats get stuck in trees, you should just call the fire brigade and they should just blast them out with a fire hose. Um, I was given a free cup of white coffee by a certain high street bean grinder. A nice deed, great. Except I'm lactose intolerant, so it was an attempt upon my life. Right. Well, we're going back to that whole stools chat again as well. <laughs> um, I saved my friend from a wasp this week. Since he's allergic, I saved his life. He thanked me by buying me a pizza. Happy days. I had oh, a lovely pizza nice. this week. Frozen yeah, one. About the um, supermarket that have stopped stocking a particular type of Easter egg because a bloke ate one who was allergic to milk and nearly died. But surely he should have realised that he shouldn't have ate that Easter egg. Yeah, to be fair though, if the Easter egg in question was called the this Easter egg doesn't contain any milk guaranteed Easter egg, then that probably is right that they take it off the shelves. That shelf. is a fair point. I stopped a guy with Parkinson's fallen over by asking if I could kind of tie his shoelace up for him. That's Zoe in Cambridgeshire. 
kind of made up for accidentally killing a crab earlier in the week. Accidentally killing a crab? Yeah. How do you accidentally kill a crab? <laughs> I don't know. I squashed a snail outside my front door this week. Sorry about that snail. But he's dead. Um, oh dear. How do you know it was a he? Oh, and I squashed a wasp. And it was on my front door handle, and I couldn't get in my door, so I threw um, a peanut Kit Kat chunky at it, and it squashed it. And when they die, they release fumes, don't they? Getting all the other wasps involved. And now I think I've either got a wasp's nest outside my house. I'm trapped in my house. I can't get into it because of all the wasps. And on the back door, I've spiders built a big web across my back door conservatory, so I can't get out into the garden now. The wasps and spiders trapping me in my own house. I love a peanut. Oh, they're lovely. Oh. You know, any peanut bar, to be honest, is an improvement on the other. And again, unless you've got a nut allergy, uh, peanut lion, fantastic. Peanut lion's one of the best chocolate bars you'll ever eat if you like peanuts and you like lions. Uh, when driving yesterday, I let a lot of people out in front of me, maybe six, which is a lot more from, than usual. That's from DJH in uh, Darlington. I don't know if he's a DJ or he's just abbreviated his full name like a teacher. Uh-huh. A horrible thing about letting people out is that no one else knows that you've let the person out in front of you. There should be signs on top of cars that keep count, like the things you get, you are, you know, customer 76, should keep a tally of how many people you've let out. So when you get to the bottom of a hill, the person who doesn't know that you've let out the five cars in front of you can see your little tally and go, oh, fair enough, he's let out 12, so I'm not going to get angry at him. It's what I hate most about London, actually, because I do go through periods where I really detest it, and then I go around and go, oh, no, actually, it's quite nice here, and then I'm driving along... And I let someone out and they don't thank me. Oh. 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 That's the, that is the worst thing about this city, isn't it? And it To be fair, that's culture. true of a lot of cities, not just London. It's just in London they've got to rush because they've got crimes to get to. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean that they're the police. Everyone in London's a criminal. You heard it here first from John Richardson. <laughs> But I, I get very angry when people don't let you out. <laughs> Where I've moved in Swindon, not to keep going on about it, but they've got lots of those little things that jut out into the road, so they have to let people Homeless through. Homeless people. Very... <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, like safety things to slow yeah. cars down. But they don't slow them down, they just make you angrier so that you speed up. But there aren't any cars in the area that you are, are there? No, no one lives where I live. I think they've all moved out. But when I do let people out, they never sort of say thank you. They just, they just move on, and I get very angry about it. The one I've picked up of you that I really like, that you did once when we were walking through Bristol, was when you get to a zebra crossing and a car doesn't stop, you do like a cartoon stance <laughs> of Wiley Coyote as if you're about to run in front of the car. And I really like that, so I've started doing that now. Because a lot of people don't stop at zebra crossings no, anymore. No, they don't. We've got to take the worst drivers off the road. I did a university gig a couple of weeks ago, and I was chatting to this guy, and he said, oh, gosh, I'm just about to sit my uh, fifth driving test. <laughs> I'm just a bit rubbish at driving. And I just thought, well, don't drive then. You're clearly rubbish at it. You don't have a right to drive. Driving's a privilege if you can do it. You wouldn't just go out and pick up a forklift to go to the supermarket in because you don't know how to drive a forklift. If you're rubbish at driving, I'd have him tried for attempted murder because by knowing that he's that bad at driving and persisting in having his tests, all he's doing is get into a position where he can kill someone on the roads. You don't have a right to drive. True or false? I'm getting angry. <laughs> no are. one's backing me up. They're just staring <laughs> at me now. But you know, if you've, there should be like a three strikes and you're out thing for driving. You shouldn't be allowed to have infinite be, tests. This section's meant to be nice. Oh yeah. We're trying to be all positive. Well, have you got any nice things? Um, I've got, I've got a nice one. I'll it's just wrap this really... up by saying because we'll end with the nice thing. But I genuinely believe three strikes and you're out. If you fail your test the third time, you just rubbish at driving. Just move off. It's not that difficult. Can we move on? Two minors I got on my on? test. One was for excessive caution. Who isn't Why cautious driving, on their driving Why test? were you driving in a pit? <laughs> what? <laughs> Two minors. All right, nice. Lovely thanks. stuff. Yeah, thanks. All right, well, you've earned, you've earned the chance to read this email, so well done. It's not something that's happened that someone did nice, but this is cute. In Paul in Worcester Park, 
Three fox cubs have been born in my back garden, less than a foot long and not even red yet. His garden or his foxes? Oh, that's quite nice. That's foxes. sweet, though, isn't it? It's not really a nice Little thing fo- to have done unless he um, he sort of assisted with the birth, which I'm guessing he didn't. If he was out there with hot towels, <laughs> wiping the fox's head, or maybe the foxes were born, the cubs, and then he took them to a hunt and just sort of waved them in front of all the people. <laughs> oh. like, Look at these. Do you want to hunt these, do you? Nah, I'm taking them back. I've, uh, I've done some Weetabix with hot milk I'm going to give to him. Uh, we've had a text in from Martha. Uh, I have an amazing spider catcher that my brother got me for Christmas. I can lend it to you if you like. That could be my good deed. I have got a spider catcher, but it's sort of it's not on a wall. The spider catchers, you press them against a wall and you close the shutter. But it's sort of suspended because the web goes across the door. So I would have to throw the spider catcher at it. I could sort of bat it out with a, uh, <clears throat> with a baseball bat, but I don't have a baseball bat. It's ridiculous to be scared of spiders, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it's all right to be scared of spiderballs. No, spiderballs. <laughs> oh, it's such a difficult thing, talking, isn't it? Uh, a text has come in. I failed my test four times. I'm fine at actual driving. I just can't reverse park from Enid. Um, now, that's part of driving, though, isn't it? Reverse parking. You have to reverse park. You can't just not reverse park. So that's part of driving. No, so when you, you can... say fine at actual driving. And she says nice things about me afterwards as well, which makes me disinclined to say horrible things. But I just think... Just people that are rubbish on the roads. Well, no, just but need maybe to get rid of them. lives in a place that you don't need to reverse park. Maybe she where doesn't. space. <laughs> we reverse parking. One day, Enid's going to be driving. And she's going to say, "I'm just, I'm just nipping down the post office. Uh, I know I can park there without reverse parking." And her mate uh, Mildred is going to go, "Can you drop me off at uh, Barclays on the high street? Because I need to pay a check in." She's going to go, "Oh, I can't go there. I can't reverse park." And Mildred's going to go, "I've got to pay this check in, Enid. Otherwise, the cat won't get its food." Uh, and then she's going to have to go down the high street. She's yeah. going to panic. She's going to go, oh, God, I can't reverse park. She'll slam it into what she thinks is reverse. It's actually first. She's looking behind her. She goes forward. Three people. But if she's dropping Mildred off, why does she have to reverse park? She's, she's got parking for an hour, you no. see. Mildred's going to nip in the bank and she thinks, well, I'll go to the post office in the high street. I'm not swinging back around the village. Pointless. If I'm parking here, I'll just village, park here. But if it's a village, there's not going to be loads of parking. Oh, she's not going to the village or, now. They don't have a Barclays just, in the village. Why doesn't she just park on those places that you're allowed to park on, those zigzag lines near Zebra Crossing? You are not allowed to park on those zigzag lines <laughs> at Zebra Crossing. That's it. Oh. And people overtaking when you try to get on the motorway. Unbroken white line means do not cross. Do not cross my line, or I will complain about you on the radio, anonymous people. But I just... When did you... How many tests did you have? Uh, I passed on my third. Well, you see, lucky, you're in. You just got in, but you're a terrible driver. You're a terrible driver. I'm not a terrible driver. I've driven with you. You are terrible. No, I'm you better than Russell. You use your mobile phone when you drive. Um, no, I don't. You eat chocolate. No, I don't. You eat no, soleros. No, I don't. Oh, apparently, no, you don't. <laughs> Apart from that, I've seen you do it with my eyes and heard you do it with my ears. I'm a better driver than Russell. You've actually said... Oh, you're a better driver than Russell, but Russell can't even eat cereal. <laughs> That's no good thing to say you're a better driver than Russell. I'm a better driver than John Robbins. Oh, that's, oh, John oh, Robbins in next week, we'll give him the right to reply. Adam, can you drive? No, can I'm you, you can drive, can't you? How, when did you pass? First time. First time, how many minors? What's that? Like, <laughs> minor faults. Uh, I don't know. Don't know, can't remember. Unimportant. Well, like, yeah, <laughs> you see, you see it's, it's not that difficult, is it, driving? I don't think. <laughs> Maybe I'm being unfair because I find it quite you easy. You are. You are, and you're not a great driver. But it's one of them things that you just... People think they have a right to drive. You don't have a right to drive. You have to... I can't get really You've got dead bodies it. in your boot. 
I haven't got dead bodies in my boot. In my boot, I have two boxes, one of which contains comestible items for if I have an overnight stay that wasn't planned, like hot chocolate, screw-tap red wine, uh, so I can always have something to eat, pot noodles, biscuits, that kind of thing. And the other box contains items for the car, like antifreeze, uh, windscreen washer fluid, uh, air fresheners, that sort of thing. Where do you keep the uh, plastic cutlery? Plastic cutlery is in the comestible items food uh, box. (laughs) Obviously, doesn't everyone do this? Behind their high-res coat in case they have a breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) I was just texting in, I was born in the 70s. Damn kids, Andy and Leeds. I don't know what that refers to. I was born in the 70s. Is that to do with acceptable in the 80s? Um, uh, You see, this is the other side of doing nice things for people. Someone texted in, hi, uh, hiya. I asked a man who was lying in the middle of the street if he was okay, and he told me to expletive deleted off. Um, Yeah. You've got to use your judgment as to why he's lying in the middle of the street. I'd assume if he'd been knocked down, there'd be other people around. Otherwise, he's probably just crazy. That's an awkward one, though, isn't it? When you see um, two people arguing, a bloke and a woman arguing, and it's getting really intense, and he's getting a bit aggressive, do you go up and say, Oi, leave it, mate? If it's a bloke and a woman? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Well, unless they're crying, in which case they're both just drunk. Okay. But if it's an actual... You know, if it's a confrontation. But I'm quite lucky because I'm incredibly well built. So if I go over, I, I lend an air of natural gravitas to a situation. Yeah, see, I, can, I don't. I can get away with that. Yeah. No. What I do, I stand a safe distance away and dance badly. And throw chips at the man. Just behave, why don't you? Um, so nice things. We'll wrap this. I'm pretty sure we've already had a winner in, to be honest. An absolute cracker came in. There was a nice story in the Swindon. Swindon Star's a great newspaper. I had one last week that was about faeces. But this one's nice. Uh, dog swallows 15-inch stick and survives. Uh, this little dog, a couple's beloved three-year-old Labrador, who helps raise money for the eye care unit at the Great Western Hospital. The dog's doing charity work, do you know what I mean? He goes off. Uh, Barton Stephen of Elms Veterinary Surgery told the Pontins, that's who owns the dog, it was the first time he'd seen anything like it in 25 years as a vet. Which, to be honest, you would hope, if as a vet, you live in a place where people are regularly coming in with dogs with 15-inch sticks inside them, you probably live in somewhere How big's the dog? Um, what type of dog is it? It's a it's a Labrador thing. It's quite. It's a really pretty That's dog. It's a big stick, though. Isn't oh, it's it? a massive stick. There's a picture of this deck. I mean, it is a huge stick. It's like the bottom end. If you play a lot of snooker or pool, the the bottom end of the uh, two piece snooker cue. It's that big. The dog swallowed it and it was sticking out of his side. And they they, they pulled it out and the dog's fine now. But there's a little pun in there because uh, the vet ends his interview by saying, "We took him home." Uh, the vet said he wasn't out of the woods. But the woods were out of the dog. So that's a nice story, the dog survived. And someone says, uh, talking about doing nice things, my mate set up a website called letsallbenice.com where you can enter your good deeds and have other users rank them using the niceness scale to boost your karma rating. So that's letsallbenice.com. We'll maybe put a link to that on the website. That's quite a nice idea. Um, He says, personally, bus drivers who can clearly see me running for the bus and who subsequently wait for me, collapsing through the doors a little bit red and occasionally perspiring, deserve to come back as cats, the best animal ever. I would dispute that. I don't really like cats. It is nice when you find a good bus driver, though. Yes, that is nice. But you're not allowed to take them home. But if you've not got the correct change, but they'll still kind of let you on. That's lovely, that is. Yeah, the opposite of London taxi drivers, where I'm not going to get onto this, I'll get angry. Hey, John, it's about time we had a tune. All right, fair enough, Rossbot, fair enough. Uh, people are getting on at me about my having a go at drivers. Uh, dear John, you are making no allowances for nerves with your driving argument. I kind of am, to be honest, because I said you're going to have three goes at it. If you're still that nervous on your third test, then you're trying to hide something. It's like interviewing someone for a murder three times. If they're nervous on the third one, they're obviously trying to hide something. You're really into murder today, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, getting close. <laughs> 
But I just, I think I am making allowances. And to be honest, if you're that nervous about driving, you're probably not very good at it. If you're nervous on the roads, you know, it, it's, it's, it's dangerous. When you're flying along the motorway at a legal limit, 70 miles an hour, and someone's doing like 45 in the inside lane, you don't realise they're going that slowly and you nearly crash into the back of them. So nervousness is as bad as... Because someone says, uh, I failed my test five times... It's a bad way to start a text if you're trying to win me over, to be honest. Uh, and I think it's made me a better driver. My brother passed first time, and he's a total boy racer. It's different for everyone. I do agree that passing first time might make you a bit arrogant. Um, but passing, <laughs> failing five times. No, I think it's some people just take a little bit longer at stuff. Yeah. See, it's all right for you. You do very well at but most you... stuff very quickly. Whereas people like me, it takes a little bit of time. I didn't really learn to tie my shoelaces until I was about 12. Yeah. You see, and that's why you wear slip-ons and women's <laughs> shoes now. It's all there—it's all there in the background. Oh, speaking of background, so sexy in just to say, psychologists believe that a fear of spiders is caused by a repressed memory of seeing your parents having sex. That's what we're taught in our psychology lessons at school. Well, I think you should take a different A-level, to be honest, because it sounds like <laughs> your teacher may be a pervert. I've never heard that before. I think a fear of spiders is caused by um, spiders... Being poisonous and the fact that they can eat you. I think that's probably... Yeah, but what's your what's your fear of Daddy Longlegs? Oh, flying spiders. <laughs> yeah, that's all they are no. is flying spiders, no. and they've got poison in them yeah. that can kill you. Yeah, there you go. They, okay. can, they can bite through and kill you. and, and they, oh, yeah, But they've they, not got teeth big enough. Their teeth aren't big enough to pierce... Them. There'll be a goofy one. There will be a goofy Daddy Longlegs who has it off with another goofy Daddy Longlegs, extra goofy babies... And it'll just happen. Like, there's goofy kids. One day it's going to happen to a daddy long legs. And then that day everyone will die. All these arrogant people who swan over and pick them up, dead. We don't, you know, teaching you lessons. Uh, <laughs> this has backfired, this nice thing, because people are now texting in nice things that they tried to do that backfired. <laughs> My uncle was knocked off his motor scooter, right? That's not a nice thing to have had done to you. A woman went over to him, you would think to say, are you all right? And she said, do you realise you've left glass all over the road? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's harsh, isn't it? And, you know, you've left glass and blood all over the road. So I'll wrap up the nice things, because we have a winner who's Sky in Liverpool, uh, who we tried to get in contact with, but did not answer our calls, uh, which doesn't bode well. But we're going to keep on at you, Sky, uh, until you break. (laughs) (laughs) You will not do nice things for people, you know, and not expect to get constant psychological damage. So we're going to keep on and and send you some nice things. Uh, uh, She says, uh, the thing she did, I gave the lonely old woman next door some cake because she's so sweet and little. That's very nice. Speaking as the lonely old woman next door in Swindon, my neighbours never come round except to tell me that someone's parked in front of their yeah, garage. but maybe that woman wouldn't be so lonely if Sky went round more often. Sky's been round. Once to take some cake. Yeah, well, maybe that's the start of a beautiful friendship. That first move is the hardest one to make. The old woman's got a door as well. She can knock and go, listen, I'm your neighbour. You may know me as little old woman. But for future reference, my name's Mildred. Can you give me a lift of Barclays? Back off, old woman. I can't drive because I can't reverse park. Tying it all together. Um, but that's nice. She doesn't. I would have liked to speak to Sky just to, uh, to get some more details on said old woman uh, and some more details on the cake, to be honest, because if it's just like a cake that you've bought... But if it's like, imagine making a cake for an old woman. That's a lovely gesture. But you can do that, though. Are there old women who live near you? No, but I am getting to know the woman on my right a little bit more. We've had a bit of chat. We bumped into each other in Tesco this week, so we had a proper... It's the first time we'd seen each other out of our houses. Is that the one whose um, garage I parked in front of? No, no, that's Spiderweb Hands, man. <laughs> he works nights, so I'm thinking of having an affair with his wife. But it'd just be a gesture on my... It just seems like a wasted opportunity not they, to, Do you to think they'll listen to Six Music? I doubt it. Um, <laughs> if, if they do listen. They're very quiet. I never hear a peep out of them, which makes me run out of stuff to so say So who's to the lady other. on your right, then? 
She's uh, she seems to live on her own. I've seen her putting some washing out. I don't really agree with her interior decor, but uh, a lovely woman bumped into each other in Tesco. Oh, <laughs> all right, and then I went, <laughs> the thing, and then that was she? it. To be honest, I don't know. It's uh, mid fifties, sort of. You know, my my demographic. To be honest, I've got nothing to say to women my own age. They frequently disappoint me. Um, <laughs> people are trying to usurp Sky in Liverpool now. Uh, with nice things that they've done. Uh, I bought my disabled neighbour a male urinal. Uh, I thought she was a man, but she took it, though. <laughs> that's, n- that's a nice gesture. I, I mean, on the subject of not knowing whether you'd knock on your neighbour's door or not, I probably wouldn't bother if my opening gambit was, I bought you your rhino. <laughs> probably popped round a couple of times first. Uh, I made a cake for an old man whose wife was in hospital. I would have made a cake for the wife, to be honest. Um, afternoon, John. There used to be a bus driver in the Kingston-upon-Thames area who let everyone on his bus for free after the pub shot. That was nice. He didn't keep his job for very long. You see, that's society biting back. Innis in Teddington. Um, on bus drivers, I was saying goodbye to a friend of mine, and as she got onto the bus, the driver said I could come on as well because he'd be willing to wait for a few more minutes. Oh. What a nice chap. That's nice. What do you do with your next-door neighbours in terms of the people talk to them nowadays? Because you don't really know your neighbours like you used to, do you? No, back in the good old days, yeah, well, when you a... could leave your doors open like, and flat, a trail of sweets leading into your we house. Were in, the flat that the four of us were in, I don't think I ever spoke to anyone else in that. Oh, house. that was Clifton in Bristol. That's very posh people. They wouldn't. They wouldn't talk to you. Yeah, but I don't know. Is it weird to to knock on the door of the of the person who lives above you and go, "Oh, hello, I'm Mark. Nice to meet you. How are you?" I think so. Well, I kind of introduced myself to my neighbour. I said, "All right, how are you doing? Uh, my name's John." And then I kind of bottled it by saying, "I work from home." Uh, it looked like I was trying to say, "Well, let's have a bit of a chat." Um, but I, I shouldn't have done that. Well, we'll, 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 we'll people we? are buzzing around around me. <laughs> um, now, this, I think, is sarcasm. Hi, we can't get out of our flat today as there is a giant bunny in the garden with teeth the size of Esther Ranson's. I assume that... Is that implying that it's as ridiculous to be scared of bunnies as it is of spiders? Yeah. I don't really know, unless there is a massive rabbit. If there is a massive rabbit, I don't know what you do. Probably shoot it. Um, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna... Not, not on Easter Sunday. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, God. I completely forgot it was Easter Sunday. Don't shoot it. Take it a chocolate egg. Uh, <laughs> signifying whatever that is supposed to signify. We'll have, uh, we'll have some music while I wash off the image of ruining Easter for children everywhere. And then after that, we're going to pick up again the uh, first gigs thing, because we have lots of those back in. Uh, we spoke to Sky while all that was going on, and we've arranged to send her some nice stuff. Uh, she's doing her own uh, radio show herself sometimes, so a bit like Philip at university who's taking over. Uh, but we've had, you see, competition coming in now. Now we've decided on Sky. People, I'm not sure these aren't lies, because these are too nice. Uh, but someone says, Hi, John. I'm just about to go to the RSPCA to walk their rescue dogs, even though I just want to sit and listen to the Smiths, because I was dumped two hours ago. James in Worcester Park. That's horrible, isn't it? You see, I don't know, maybe he should have won, but it's too late now, James, so hopefully you're over her. Anyone who dumps you on Easter Sundays is no friend, and you're better off without her or him, depending on your preference. Uh, Someone says, I've talked to both my neighbours this week and gave one a book on panic attacks. A really good read. (laughs) (laughs) On how to get them. Well, yeah, I assume it's it's someone who (laughs) suffers. There's not a pop-up. Yeah, um, and then, you see, I pushed an old man's invalid scooter, which had broken down, back to his house, which took 40 minutes. He was recovering from pneumonia, but I didn't stay for a cup of tea. And then, to ice the cake, he says, that's from Phil, reverse parking instructor from Nottingham. I think those must be lies, because they're too good, but Sky's won, so she gets the stuff. And to wrap up, someone else says, I used to be severely arachnophobic. Best tool of defence, the hoover. But you have to be sure to duct tape the end of the sucker, just in case true evil rises from the dead. 
Uh, she said, I had hypnotherapy to cure me, and it turns out her nan caused it all. Uh, when she was three, she read Incy Wincy Spider, and her nan told her it would come out of the book and eat her. Uh, which is pretty malicious, but also quite funny. I would quite like to... I think probably if I ever become a granddad, and let's be honest, the odds are against it, uh, I'm going to do that sort of thing. But we're, we're wrapping up now first gigs. We had one, someone who'd been to see Oasis, is that right? Uh, no, someone went to see the Inspiral Carpets. Someone called John, spelt J-O-N... My God, there can't be two. ...from Swindon. Really? Yeah! Well, we should Love. hock up sometime. <clears throat> I'm, I'm usually down borders. Of a mon- I'm not leaving my house tomorrow. Bank holiday Monday. Everyone will be about everywhere. I'm doing my garden, and then I'm going to sit and get drunk in my garden. On your own? Yeah, but he could pop round. What time are you going to cry? Um, probably about four o'clock, yeah. just at the beauty of the world, and then go inside and then convince myself it's not that good after all. John's first gig was in Spiral Carpets at the Oasis in Swindon. Is it still open? I don't know. I've not heard of oh, it. Oh, it's the swimming pool with the tubes. Tubes? <laughs> yeah. Right, OK. Well, it's I'll go down tubes. And- Go down there. I don't Noel, really like swimming. Noel Gallagher was the guitar roadie and like the name of the place. Swindon. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have been they wouldn't have been successful if they were called Swindon. Oh Oasis. Oasis. Oh yeah. god I'm slow. <laughs> I didn't have much to drink yesterday. I had a couple of uh, red wines after the Harold Pinter. Uh, theatre gig, but that was about it. I see. God, if they were called Swindon, that would have been funny, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, all right, then. Uh, 1981, this one says. We were about 12 and went to see Vice Squad and Charged GBH. That sounds like a gig not to be at, to be honest. I don't know their kind of music, but I'm guessing it's fairly aggressive. Uh, we were a bit scared, but were in awe of the hundreds of big punks decadently walking around with glue bags stuck to their chins. What a baffling email. What's a glue bag? It's like a bag that you glue to your chin. I, don't, I, I assume so. Uh, but she said most of them were from Lancaster Royal Grammar School. I, I, it wasn't like that in my day, I tell you. Uh, I'm now cleaning my paintbrushes in Terp Substitute and feeling a bit queasy. <laughs> Everyone's having a cracking bank holiday. <laughs> Nothing like cleaning paintbrushes and feeling sick. Sorry about the stool stuff earlier. <laughs> I've got one from Martin in Dorchester, whose first gig was Cliff Richard. His mum and dad took him. It wasn't his fault. Right, nothing wrong with Clifford. He gets a real kick in for that thing at Wimbledon. They were having another go this week. It's years ago now, and they still, every time it comes up, goes, oh, God, Cliff Richard's singing at Wimbledon. Everyone's praying it doesn't rain this year. But you know, if you didn't want to listen to it, just go away. I think that was a nice thing to do. Other people would have sung that, I'm sure, but I don't think Muse go to Wimbledon. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they... Maybe Cliff Richard stood up to the plate. Hi, John, my first ever gig was Shaking Stevens at the Adam and Eve pub in Hackney 25 years ago. I really enjoyed the evening. Um, I've got one. Uh, my first gig was Nina, 99 Red Balloons, Germany, 86. That must have been like a homecoming gig for her. That would have been amazing. Oh, there's a lot of international ones. I took my daughter. I didn't take my daughter. Obviously, I haven't got one. Uh, Steve says, I took my Not daughter. Not that you know of. Yeah. 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 No, I definitely haven't okay. got one. Um, <laughs> cannot clarify that enough. And I cannot... Anyway, uh, I She'd ta- be at least how old? Uh, oh. Oh, I'm <laughs> God. Move that crying forward to half past three. Um, <laughs> I took my, I'm going to have a box face, got a bottle of champagne in the fridge already. I'm going to celebrate stuff. Uh, Steve has texted in, why does this always happen? I took my daughter to see James Blunt last year, uh, a bit cruel, uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, we've been living in Holland for 17 years. She, being nine, will always remember it because it was rubbish over there for Easter, staying with sister Sarah and husband Jimbo. So if you're listening, Sarah and Jimbo, Steve hated the time no, he spent with no. you. No, no. I think it was rubbish. Over here, staying with sister... Oh, they live over there. All right. So yeah. if you're listening, Sarah and husband Jimbo, he likes you, just hates the people of Amsterdam. 
So if you're listening, Amsterdam, <laughs> Steve, hate the time he spent with you. I'm determined to spread some hate. Uh, people don't put their names on the text, but um, this one is, mine was all about Eve at the Astoria. The stench of patchouli oil is still with me. What oil? Patchouli oil. I know it's something. I think it's something that the hippies. Uh, All right, a lot of people having a pop at the people around them when they went to their <laughs> first gigs. Ruin Roncorn. First le- first gig was Levelers. Uh, lots of cider and dog on string types. What's a dog on string? Type? I assume it just means someone who would keep a dog on a piece of string. Yeah, you're uh, you're crusties. Oh, you're crusties. All right, love you, crusties. Yeah. Right. Uh, John, I'm not cool. My first gig was Runrig at Newcastle Town Hall. I don't care that I'm not cool. I think they're protesting a little bit much. It was a good night for an 11-year-old. They're on my iPod. Right. I, I, there's nothing wrong with not being cool. The world is full of people who aren't cool. Cool people, by their very nature, are only ever few. Otherwise, they wouldn't be cool. They would be the majority. Russell Howard has gone somewhere and we can't get hold of him. So he's out there somewhere. He's had a gig. He wants to talk to us, but we can't get hold of him. Um, so it's, it's sort of supposed to be the big climax to the show, and it's turned out to be quite the disappointment. Maybe the Rustbot 3000 can just step in and yeah, offer all right us then. Uh, Rustbot 3000, uh, how are you? Lovely stuff, thanks. Yeah, that's not really appropriate. Um, <laughs> you've you've just had a gig, I believe. Um, is that correct? No. Are you being sarcastic? Maybe. All right then. Uh, how was your gig out of ten? Six. Okie dokie. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, what are you going to do today? A. I said, what are you going to do today, you deaf swine? Um, I actually used the letter A there, substituting for E-H, as in, I beg your pardon. Um, I don't want to I don't want to use all my noises, because I think it's time you left, Russell. Please. Oh. Has he seen that bloke from the lighthouse, finally? <laughs> <Holy shit. laughs> I can't use that one twice. Oh, maybe I can. This is a solo song from Dundee, formerly of the lighthouse family. Well, Russell, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much. Okie dokie. Well, Adam, the producer's coming back into the room now, possibly with his tail between his legs. He's not coming back into the room. He, he is, is coming, coming back, back into he's looking, the room. He's looking a bit salty. This is his final words now. So no, Russell Howard. No. no. Well, maybe what we'll do is we'll talk to him uh, on the phone and we'll get him to leave a message saying how his gig was and we'll put that on the website. Can we do that? Yeah, I'm getting a sort of a squint and then a nod, which means we can, but that's going to create work for me, so I'd rather that we didn't. <laughs> Um, but I believe that's what we'll get. So what we'll do, we'll get him to call back and just leave a message. It won't be him talking, but you can use it, you know, take it round with you, pretend Russell's there, and he'll give you a, a summary of his gig. Almost like a podcast. Almost like a podcast, yeah. What should we call him? Popcast. Um, so that's it for, for this. It's been great. Thank you for all your texts and emails. I, it's really great when you text in, because they're always funny. It's really, it means I, we have to do I this. always feel a bit sad, because we can't name every single person who sent the text in, because there are so many, and it would be a bit... It's a shame, isn't it? Do you feel a bit bad? I feel slightly bad, but to be honest, I get over it, because when I get home today, I'm going to have a drink. Uh, what are you up to this week, then? I shall be getting drunk tomorrow, and then I sort of get drunk as a treat for being off, but then I'm off on Tuesday and Wednesday as well, so I think that'll be an anticlimax. I've, I've got somewhere. a very quiet week. I'm going to decorate my flat, and I'm doing a gig in Bath on Tuesday night. Bath on Tuesday night. I'll be in Hornchurch on Thursday night, living the absolute dream. Ooh, uh, God, that sounded like two people doing that noise. Oh, oh, and Champions League football this week as well. Isn't it? Oh, well, that's me Tuesday yeah. and Wednesday, then Champions League with John in Swindon. Um, it, it's uh, it's goodbye to me and, and Ross Bot 3000. You got anything to say? Goodbye, Mark. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, isn't bye, it? Ross. Uh, we'll join you again next week. Check the website this week. All the new features will go on there. We'll play you out with uh, a bit of the cure, which should be a cracking way to end. Coming up, the music week. See you soon. Take care. Bye bye. This is six music.